You're listening to WNHH Community Radio 103.5 FM. Welcome to the Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel, and we're digging deep into stories of food, radical love, and creative social justice. Have you ever eaten weeds? Well, today's guest, Chef Bun Lai of Mia's Sushi Restaurant in New Haven, Connecticut, not only eats them, he grows them and serves them up at his family's restaurant. In between the laughter and entertaining sarcasm, this renowned chef shares some deep thoughts on the importance of eating weeds, climate change, and plant-based sushi. Our interview starts off on his family farm just outside the city and moves into the restaurant later that evening, where my family joined me to sample some of the delicious food at this wonderfully creative and groundbreaking restaurant. In the midst of evening service, I caught a few words of wisdom from Mia, Bun's sister, although his mother, who first opened the restaurant 35 years ago, insisted that her daughter be her public voice. Luis, a chef in the restaurant for 14 years, shyly shared a few words in English and Spanish, and we also hear a bit from new cook, Alan. This creative and dedicated team serve up sushi like you've never seen, and try to impact our minds and bellies in the process. Check out our website, thetableunderground.com, for tons of photos and links to all things mentioned in this episode. This show was such a joy to record. I hope you have as much fun listening as I had making it. Hi, Bun. Hi, Tegan. Thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a pretty gorgeous little farm you have here. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say that it's gorgeous. It's um, it's an organized mess. So <laughs> I'm really just getting into gardening myself. Uh, I've been doing it for years, but I've been pretty bad for years. But both my parents are extraordinary gardeners. And uh, it's funny how as we get older, uh, we come full circle. You know, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my gosh, I look like my mom or dad. And uh, we have so many similarities. And I, I think I've come full circle in the garden aspect of uh, my life. Yeah. So just so people have a sense of your family, your restaurant, give me a little quick overview of... Mia's Sushi Restaurant in New Haven. Yeah, so uh, uh, we first came to uh, the United States. My dad's first job after finishing up his doctorates at Cambridge was um, at Yale uh, Medical School doing research. So we grew up on Prospect Street, Mm -hmm. uh, not too far from downtown. And and, uh, uh, when I was uh, small, my mother started Mia's um, in the apartment at 470 Prospect Street. Wow. Yeah. It was the first traditional sushi restaurant in the state and definitely the first uh, sushi bar itself. So she really introduced sushi to a lot of people around here. And then you were talking about walking in your parents' footsteps a number of years ago. You stepped into the restaurant. And how'd that happen? So when I was growing up, uh, I used to hang out at the restaurant and try to help out, but it was mostly in the way. I'd hang out mostly with uh, Slayman and Tarek uh, uh, of Mamoons because... uh, um, we're about the same age yeah. and, uh, they would actually help their dad out, like literally peeling onions. And once in a while I would sit and do some, a little bit of real work with them and my friendship with them and my exposure, uh, to the restaurant world through my mother at Mia's, uh, which is right across the street from Mamoon's. Like yeah, really in New Haven institution restaurant. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, friends and heroes of mine, but, uh, kind of nudged me in that direction but it was never a plan yeah and uh towards the end of college uh uh, Mia's had kind of 
uh, hit a, a few bumps, and I wanted to help my mom out, and uh, here I am still. But I, I didn't plan to be a chef even at yeah. that point, so it's kind of interesting where our lives end up. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't plan to be a chef either, and yeah, that's where really. my life ended Yeah. <laughs> so um, one of the big things that you've done is really focus on sustainability in the restaurant, and it's been sort of this next evolution mm-hmm. of Mia's, and you started out with sustainable seafood and seaweed mm-hmm. and also some vegetarian items on your menu. Yeah. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, so it's more an articulation and an evolution improvement of uh, we'd, what we'd been doing all along anyway. So my mother grew up in the countryside of southern Japan, you know, uh, gardening all the time. That was her passion and foraging. I learned how to forage from her. Both my parents loved nature. My dad would take my brother and I out to mm. parks and we'd you know, we'd flip rocks to see what's living under it and logs and stuff like that. So the food at Mia's as traditional food um, was was very important for my mom to do something that was um, authentic to her experience growing up mm-hmm. uh, in southern Japan. And uh, what that meant was uh, that uh, the food wasn't uh, highly processed, you know, and... Uh, um, it was mostly plant-based uh, and a bunch of seafood at the same time, mm-hmm. too. And that's how we grew up eating. My first foray into becoming creative and doing something that was different than uh, the traditional cuisine that I'd grown up learning and respecting and still admiring um, was to create plant-based sushi. Mm-hmm. So I'm dating myself, but um, that was something that I uh, started in my late 90s as a very young in the Chef. late 90s. Yeah. Not your late 90s. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. That's now. Actually, I'm closer to that now. Yeah. And then that evolved into um, um, sustainable seafood. Right. And then after that, or around the same time, actually, was uh, invasive species. Mm-hmm. I love your invasive species menu, mm. your Asian shore crabs and stuff that are all over the Connecticut yeah. that people don't even realize they're, they're not supposed to be there. <laughs> well, yeah, you've been um, a supporter for a long, long time, one of the first, to, <laughs> to really get it, because yeah. a lot of people didn't get it. A, yeah. a lot of people uh, felt that we were, were probably doing it to be sensationalistic and actually had to do with, uh, with so many different things that we believe in, from um, nutrition you know, to uh, just cha- generally the importance of uh, changing our approach to food mm. and uh, and even uh, social justice. Yeah. So, how have you dealt with that? People thinking that having like foraged crabs or little mm-hmm. tiny crabs or you know unusual seaweeds or even bugs like cicadas yeah. or larvae or stuff that you do in your menu. How are you overcoming people thinking it's just sensational, just to get attention, kind of thing? Yeah. You know, uh, I've got really thick skin, and the good thing is that. Uh, my, my career really took a long time to get to, you know, the humble level where it is right now, mm. like a really long time. Um, uh, as I was creating my, uh, uh, various menus and, and learning along the way, um, often I did it in a shoddy way, you know, and, uh, uh, and when I did create something that was, uh, pretty good and lasting it, it was not understood by mm. you know people that I was making it for too and that happened for really decades of my career you mm. know it's been already a long career um, and uh, so I'm just used to people not necessarily getting it but 
I think the difference now is uh, now that I'm older and now that I've had um, so many really great people um, uh, backing me up and my work up and putting us on a larger national, even international um, platform, then a lot of the work that we are doing uh, becomes legitimized. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love about how you do your work is that you bring humor to things you do. So it's such a stereotype in past bunch of years that people will make menus in restaurants that, you know, people joke like, we even knew the name of the chicken that was on the menu, right? I love and that. like yeah. this, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what farm every single piece of, of every ingredient of something is. And your menu is like this incredible, it's like your creativity on paper. And you do, you talk about local food and you talk about sustainability, but with this like incredible humor and joy and a lot of like, cross-cultural references and stuff mm -hmm. that I'm curious like how intentional is that for you in terms of communicating your values and what you're trying to do but not not like beating people over the head with it and yeah feel guilty about their food choices kind of thing yeah so I mean you get it a hundred percent and I don't know if uh, it necessarily translates over to that uh because I remember uh, a chef uh once said to me like what is that guy like some sort of joker you know and uh and I get that too because it can go over people's heads. But uh, sustainability and, and and things that we really care about often are, as you know, very s serious and uh, sometimes tragic and sad stories. You know, so I think uh, humor is the best way uh, of dealing with that. You know, so that you're not beating people over the head, like you said, uh, with with the heartbreak, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and. Also, I think uh, being optimistic and funny and, and positive through hard times and challenges is very, very important. I think we're doing that. Yeah. So, Is there anything on the menu that you particularly love, like the name of a certain role or your description of something? Yeah, you know, a little while ago, uh, maybe like 20 years ago, <laughs> um, I was making a menu and I was just hanging out with uh, Luis, um, uh, who used to be the uh, a, a server then. And... Uh, um, he came to me while I was making a menu, and he said, "Upon you know, there's a group of people, and they're making fun of uh, gay people, you know, and Luis is gay. And I said, don't even worry about it. And I created uh, the bad-tempered geisha boy, you know. It's it's made out of uh, rope-grown muscles for men who like big muscles. Right. And then uh, <laughs> Dancing Samurai, uh, inspired by the um, noble tradition of man-on-man -man love. And I did that for Luis, and... And uh, 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 the Dragon Lady, uh, Sake, uh, about lesbian pirates of the Japan Sea or whatever. Mm -hmm. And after, I'd, after I was done, uh, I'd created all these fun gay recipes. And I was like, we now have, Luis, for you, uh, the gayest menu we've ever created, <laughs> or probably on Earth, <laughs> you know. So, but... Uh, well, and now you've integrated in, you have, like, your salam roll and your ulala mitzvah. Yes. And, like, you yeah. know, all the... You have your Tokyo fro and all, you know... Yeah. You're referencing a lot of other cultures as well. Yeah, so, I mean, y you can do it... Uh, the salam roll's not funny, you know. Salam is peace, right. salamu. Yeah. And... Um, that was important for me to do, especially in this era of Trump, you know, and, and xenophobia, especially towards, you know, uh, Muslims, you know, and uh, uh, I created uh, that using ingredients um, 
that include uh, gourmet sabzi and zatar and and uh, eggplant in the way that have had it uh, made by um, Slam and Tarek's mother, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, you know, created. Uh, um, I wanted to create something that was delicious from that part of the world and history um, that had to do with peace and mm-hmm. using the word, uh, you know, the words "peace be upon you." Right. And uh, so, food is incredibly powerful in, in sending messages, just in the way. Uh, music or any sort of art you know books or movies or yeah well i'll post some of the descriptions up on our website so people can read them because i think it um you have a rare talent in how you communicate about food and i think more people should check it out well i uh at hamden hall i uh got the uh senior year for the yearbook uh the golden shovel award and, and so i had to ask around <laughs> for what that was we didn't have google back then right yeah. uh, and it turned out uh, a, a bullshit. Mm-hmm. So, but I've honed it. I'm way better than yeah. when I was at Hamden Hall. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I wanted to come yeah. out and meet you at your little farm because yeah. I know you've had this more than 20-year history of working on sustainable seafood mm-hmm. and um, looking at invasive species that come out of the ocean Mm -hmm. and getting people to eat other kinds of seaweeds that they haven't been exposed to. But I've noticed over the past number of years that you have shifted towards bugs, which are land-based, and more recently into really expanding the plants that you're integrating into sushi and even the weeds that you're integrating. And so I wanted to come see for myself what you have going on here and, and how this land is inspiring what you're doing now. Well, uh, I do have to say, as a disclaimer, that this is uh, incredibly shoddily done. I'm neither a farmer uh, nor a scientist. You know, mm-hmm. I just play one. And uh, but uh, these ideas of eating weeds are very, very important. Um, so we'll just if we just walk along right over here. Um, this is this is all. These are all greens that we harvest for mias. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, called uh, Mizuna. Mizuna, and, yeah. And, but over here, those are weeds. That's wild amaranth from South America mm-hmm. growing, and we harvest all that as well. And there's just tons and tons and tons of it. Why weeds aren't important food sources is, is for a few different reasons. Uh, one is that weeds are incredibly resilient, uh, much more resilient than cultivated, cultivated varieties, yeah. right? Like uh, your lettuces. So you don't have to uh, spray herbicide on them in a world where 5 billion pounds of herbicide or pesticides are used. And much of that is highly uh, carcinogenic and toxic in other ways, right? Um, Roundup, for example, that's popular, you can get it at Home Depot, um, is used on on, on the wheat that we use, right? So our non-GMO wheat is killed with Roundup so that we can dry it on the stock. All stuff that you know, but a lot of people don't. Um, So we can keep that out. Um, of the ecosystem. The other thing is that climate change is a huge problem, you know, uh, and it's going to get worse. Um, and it's going to create uh, tremendous instability in our, in um, where we get our food, you know, as uh, regions uh, that grow one thing aren't able to grow that thing anymore. Yeah. Um, weeds are exponentially more nutritious than anything uh, that we can grow because over tens of thousands of years of cultivation um we've cultivated um the nutritiveness uh, out of the foods that we eat um it makes sense for us to be eating weeds and since they're also hardy against uh um the 
the yo-yoing of uh, the climate, the climate, yeah. and uh, so that's what I'm experimenting with right now, which is over here the cultivation of, of weeds um, that nobody eats, and uh, and then we've been experimenting. On well, nobody them. here eats them, but in so many cultures around the they world, do. these are the basis of food. Like people are not cultivating all their food; they're going out and finding it, foraging it around, um, and so I think. It's great that you're bringing some of that back. So what's this? Yeah, so those are, uh, this is uh, wild burdock. I've never seen burdock. Uh, it is an invasive species too, but so incredibly big. And uh, it's one of the tastiest plants on earth. And I learned to forage burdock. It's the first thing I've ever foraged uh, along with my mother. And uh, that, it's grown on the property like this big. Um I'm in awe of this burdock. It's poetic. It's like insanely yeah. huge. And it has, I didn't realize it had burrs on it when it It's taller it. than I am. I've never even... Have you seen it this tall before? No. I've never seen it this tall. Look at this. It's a burdock jungle. Look at this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. What is that? So this is... Uh, you asked me about lettuce and identifying lettuce. So this is wild lettuce. Mm. And um, I'm just going to give you a little bit to taste. Mm, it's really peppery. Yeah, it's very, very powerful, mm -hmm. right? Mm, yeah. And uh, herbaceous. I mean, you, you can't eat a whole bowl of that. Yeah, you'd but, mix it in with some other Exactly, but things. that's really just kind of an example of how powerful um, wild plants are. Yeah, and, and it has a nice bitterness, which I oh, always know when I taste the bitterness that it's probably really good for me. And, <laughs> and that was in the drink that we had just yeah. had uh, as well, just pureed into it. Yeah, so show me what else you put in that drink. You said it was either lemon balm or lemon verbena, so let's oh, go. Oh, yeah, that's uh, by the uh, the little pond. Oh, okay, so we'll see that later. Yeah, and you will. And um, maybe we'll put that recipe for this lettuce drink up because it was incredibly refreshing summertime well, drink. Well... One of the one of the problems that we're we're having is that we don't eat enough uh, greens, right. you know, um, and many of the greens that we do eat are conventionally uh, cultivated and they're laden with pesticides. So if you look at uh, environmental working groups, um, right. Google the list of the dirty dozen of uh, of vegetables and fruit. Uh, it's the lettuces, it's the spinaches yeah. uh, that are so heavily sprayed. So you're spraying um, herbicides. Um, like Roundup, for example, that uh, destroy and damage um, the gut bacteria that depend on uh, the fiber that you're eating from these these plants. Right. You know, so it's, it's our stomach health is a root to our the rest of our health. I see right here you have a lot of purslane growing, which most people yeah. just pull out as a weed, but I know as a super shocking that they do that. It's right? It's like one of the most nutritious things, right? It's like Absolutely. super high in omega three um, oils. Did you plant this in these no, two beds, no, or is no, this no. just sprout up? Yeah, we were just amazed at this little plot over here that it became like a purslane plot, and a purslane is a succulent. You, know, you couldn't grow a vegetable better than that, as far as nutritious uh, nutrient uh, density and and the flavor and texture. And do you use this at the restaurant? We do. So that all goes into the salad. And then... Your delicious green salad. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll show you an experiment right over here. So we'll just kind of walk fast. Okay. Um, so, and I'm really, really careful about walking in these woods because uh, I'm terrified uh, of getting Lyme disease. Yeah. And uh, the, the deadly You're Lyme the disease that... Here. Yeah, that destroys your bones, for example, is happening because of climate change. These shorter, warmer winters... Um, 
are allowing these things to these these ticks to um, ex explode in, in population. Yeah. Now here here's an experiment. So basically what we did was we pulled out all the weeds, pretty much all the weeds, but one type. We call these lemon clovers, except I know that's not the real name. I think that's the name it should be because that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, a sor uh, sorrel. Sorrel, right? Sorrel, right? Yeah. Um, and there's a few different kinds of sorrel, but yeah, this is... The wild variety. This is the wild variety. And they look like clovers, except each leaf is shaped like a heart. And if you taste them, they taste like lemon. Mm. So they're one of my most favorite things. And my kids love it, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, imagine pureeing, the, pureeing those things so into our drink as well. Yeah, what are you doing with this patch here that you're growing? Um, it's an experiment on, on just not planting anything at all and choosing just one weed to grow. Nice. And basically that one weed has taken over without us ever planting. All yeah. we did was to pull out uh, its competitors. Nice. Yeah. So are you going around kind of the edges of your field and selectively weeding out certain weeds and keeping others. Um, that's really the only patch that I've done, but okay. eventually that's what we want to do. Yeah. Could you help me identify this thing? Having sure. calling it uh, um, lemon verbena. But this, maybe is it's lemon not... oh, this, this is lemon bomb. This is lemon right bomb. Oh, okay. Yeah, so lemon bomb is lemony and delicious, and it grows like crazy in the Northeast and will come back every year. Um, lemon verbena has a much narrower, more um, fibrous uh, leaf. Lemon balm is soft like mint, and you can puree it and use it like you'd use mint oh wow okay yeah so that's lemon balm so i've been telling everybody the wrong thing <laughs> it has yeah. a slightly different taste than verbena <laughs> but verbena does not survive the winters in the northeast it, it grows like crazy in california but sadly if you have it here you have to bring the pot inside in the winter and then bring it back out and in hopefully the they survive yes and then this is mint yep yeah yeah so um yeah apparently i'm like a mint and uh Lemon bomb yeah. farmer. Yeah, those plants will take over. It has taken over yeah. everything. Yeah. This is what we do for the restaurant. We put the greens right in the tub. And rinse them off. And voila. So yeah, every day we're we're foraging for the restaurant. Every day that we're open. We're getting salads and other veggies. lettuce love to be spun and uh, it makes them really happy so it's uh the the neurons of lettuce are much like the yeah so the neurons of lettuce and other greens are much like the happy neurons of a child going down a um, roller coaster that's when you spin them and a salad spinner and look see that they're happier right pure ecstasy you can hear them scream down the roller coaster all right so we, we're done with this so what are you doing with some of the weeds in your restaurant I'm doing a whole bunch of different things right now I'm working on uh, cocktails for our next uh, generation of 
beverages mm-hmm. uh, that are inspired by indigenous and and uh, more traditional cultures and mm-hmm. and uh, how they use uh, plants that we don't like to use but as medicine yeah and not claiming that it's medicine I'm just learning about it and then you know it's gonna be better no matter what than um, margarita makes or right. you know or just standard gin and tonic or whatever right, right? so um, so are you uh, mixing stuff into I know you make sake are you mixing things infusing like, stuff in sake or are you kind of pounding things and getting the essence of them into the drinks uh, no I'm not really doing sake really okay. I'm, I'm more inspired by tinctures uh, Mia's has a hard liquor license now in order for me to be able to do that. So like organic vodkas, for example. Mm. Um, so a higher level of alcohol, uh, being able to draw out like the, you know, the chlorophyll, the, the lighter right. essences. Yeah. 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 And then you have a new role. Yeah. And I saw you had this awesome contest as you often do. When yeah. you have, I love how you crowdsource your creativity. So yeah. you'll often say, I'm making a role with these featured ingredients which are often totally amazing and yeah. draw on history and culture and creativity. And then you say to people, what should I call it? And you get like yeah. hundreds of responses. Yeah. So you have this new role that features a lot of quote unquote weeds. It's definitely one of the more beautiful things that uh, I've created because it, uh, you know, it, it looks like the garden covered with weeds and, you know, um, or parts of the garden that are covered with edible weeds. Yeah. In order for us to make it, we have to forage every day and, we have a, a few hour window that we can make it, you know, before, you know, everything starts you know, wilting, wilting, yeah. <laughs> um, which is really awesome because uh, the food that we make is ethereal, yeah. you know, and 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 uh, I think there's uh, it makes it much more precious that way, mm-hmm. like life being ethereal, too. And uh, and knowing that I'm, I'm creating something that not only tastes good, but that I'm truly nourishing people with the best food on earth mm-hmm. and chances are they haven't even eaten these ingredients before. It's right. just so wonderful to me. Um, and the crowdsourcing thing is just amazing too because everything that uh, we've done at Mia's is, is a collaborative thing from before my time when my mom started Mia's and all the help that she got from countless people in Japan and, and around here to uh, this journey that continues, you know, and all the support that we we get from the community and and beyond national mm-hmm. and international yeah yeah so in this role what's inside the rice is there rice in it well there's a couple different roles a few different roles that i created uh using wild weeds okay one's wild weeds with wild uh, uh the, the absolute most sustainable uh types of uh seafood as okay. well and that's a great combo and then one without any rice at all okay. as well it's just it's wild plants and cultivated uh, plants, organic when they should be. Mm-hmm. You know? Cool. Yeah. So we'll put up some pictures so people can check it out and then see. I saw you had dandelion on top. Yeah. And what what were some of the other? I think you should just come and eat and come pour and eat. a portion of this. Okay. Uh, and and we'll get your um, yeah, reaction to the uh, to it. You know? Sure. So this is a, a role called The Wandering Poet, and I created it uh, in the late 1990s. Man, I'm dating myself. And it's one of the first sushi rolls that I created that diverted from traditional sushi. So this is a twist on something called the futomaki, but it's entirely plant-based. So it's uh, organic vegetables when they should be organic, and uh, uh, all sorts of wild plants as well. And uh, pickled, and some of it cooked, and some of it raw. So it's 
Uh, so you have uh, Japanese uh, mustard greens, um, along with uh, uh, what kind of? I think it, I think that's Napa cabbage flowers is what it is. Yeah. So uh, some of the best uh, um, names for uh, sushi uh, uh, have been uh, created by uh, people on Facebook, and this one was created by um, a friend of mine who named it uh, Weeds of Change. This is uh, a twist on Weeds of Change, uh, but it has wild seafood in it, so it's got um, some of the most sustainable seafood that you can get, which is uh, Alaskan coho salmon and uh, Spanish octopus and a whole bunch of different uh, edible uh, weeds at the same time. And a little bit of mugwort I put into it. Um, mugwort's super strong flavored, you know, so you don't want to uh, do that, like overdo it. But one thing that we do do, and you can hear, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to light your microphone here, is I'm going to light the mugwort. And uh, mugwort... Um, is used by people all around the world, indigenous people, um, to inspire dreams and, and visions. And uh, it's eaten in small quantity or, or smoked. Yeah. My husband uses it in spiritual work. And oh, to, yeah, totally. Yeah, we, we have it in our backyard. And he dries it and makes a tea out of it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's uh, Spanish octopus. Uh, it's one of the most sustainable types of octopus. So we're not like... Uh, localist, like a lot of people think, like completely. We believe in the importance of the local movement, but when you're talking about the uh, the actual carbon f- footprint of food, um, 90% of uh, the input happens in place of production, or uh, when it comes down to seafood, uh, how it's actually uh, farmed or caught, right? So this octopus is caught in pots, so uh, it's, it's not dredged, so it doesn't mess... Uh, destroy the substrate of um, uh, of the ocean, and then uh, you have uh, wild salmon, you know, as opposed to farm salmon, and all sorts of wild weeds along with it as well. Kampai, um, Nasterovia, yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, the <laughs> Haim. <laughs> okay, uh, so this is one of my favorite uh, plant-based rolls. Um, it's uh, roasted eggplant, avocado, smoked jalapeno, vegan cashew cheese, and za'atar, an herb medley that dates back to the biblical times. Uh, the Old Testament's high sop that King David mentioned as part of spiritual cleansing ritual thought by many scholars to be uh, za'atar. Asalamu alaikuma translates to peace be upon you in Arabic. Sushi Salam was created in the hope that one day we'll live in a world without violence and retribution. It's really cool how with food, um, it's not just about taste or beauty, but it's, it's about ideas and culture. I hope you guys like it. I know we will. Mm. Mm. I like that. That is really good. Mm. Wow. What is it? Uh, okay, that's our uh, sakura sashimi. So it is um, sashimi of uh, carp um, that's uh, frozen. And it's inspired by when I was a kid, um, I used to imagine being all sorts of different types of people, including like Inuits. And uh, I remember seeing um, Inuits eating uh, frozen fish out of ice holes. You know, just like the fish would freeze right on the ice and they'd take the flay out and just eat it frozen right there. Mm. So this is uh, 
invasive Kentucky carp, um, which is a plankton eater. So it's as um, contaminant-free as any type of seafood that you can possibly get because it's right on the bottom of the food chain. And it's high in omega-3 fatty acids, too. And it's infused with uh, beets, and it's served on um, ocean water that's been frozen. How did you get the ocean water to freeze? Doesn't water with salt in it not freeze very easily? Yeah, I put a little more water into it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, seaweed. Yeah, so have fun. So cool. And it still tastes amazing. <laughs> you know we're only open four days a week now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, How's that going for you? Um, you know, of it's just a continuum of everything that I believe and why you and I do food, which is ultimately to nourish, you know, and to move people. And, and uh, the restaurant business and often the way uh, um, Americans are in, you know, in, in their drive for what conventional success is, is about absolutely overworking, yeah. you know, and... Uh, um, I'm guilty of that myself, and I'm really having a hard time jumping off that that train. But uh, first, we got rid of our one of our busiest nights, Sunday, you mm-hmm. know, uh, last year, and then uh, went to five days a week. And prior to that, we got rid of lunches, and now um, we got rid of uh, Tuesdays. So now we are a four-day-a-week restaurant mm-hmm. because human beings need time to reflect and to breathe. Yeah. You know, and have have serenity. So, uh, it's a pretty radical thing that you're doing, and yeah. great. I support it. How how is it working for your cooks? Are they do are they having to take on other jobs? Or no, 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 not at all. Uh, no one's actually the. You know, my chefs have been with me a long time. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, man, Luis has been with me for uh, 14 years now. Mm-hmm. You know, and over a decade with uh, Jose and. Uh, Matt, man, uh, longer than Luis, you know. Uh, so, um, no, uh, those guys haven't lost hours so much. It's uh, it's really about, uh, man. Uh, Having those days gonna, without work. <laughs> yeah, and and being able to do other stuff so that they can grow, yeah. you know. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll just talk for a minute. But I was talking to your mom, and she said, women have to be strong and empower, and you have to talk to my daughter. She's, she's my voice out in front when I don't want to talk. And she's right. How can I come and just talk to your brother? So tell me about Mia's and how you feel about working here in your family business. I think it's great. I don't think I started off, it started off that way, but um, my mom created something special and my brother took it to another level, so I'm really honored to be here. And uh, I feel like all of us wear different hats because it's a family business. So uh, my mom used to always say, if you know how to wash dishes really well, you're going to be successful. (laughs) And we all started off washing dishes. Washing dishes, waiting tables, being a busser, being a host, um, making food pouring love into the food, and uh, treating people the way we want to be treated ourselves. It's kind of the philosophy we have here, and it's a home away from home. Um, Mia's means shrine, and that's what my mom created. You know, she came from Japan, and she wants people flock from all over the world to come here. She wants them to feel uh, in peace and nourished. So 
you guys serve sushi that's really different than what most people serve and you're in the restaurant every night that you're open basically so I just wanted to get an idea of what what are some of the reactions people have initially uh, we started off a traditional sushi restaurant in New Haven the first one my mom opened it um, and now we're the first sustainable sushi restaurant in the world starting off traditional and evolving into that uh, took a lot of uh, opposition because not everybody embraces change um, however, we're super grateful for the people that have embraced it and, and the guests that have been coming here for 30 plus years. What support and gratitude we have for that. Uh, we serve plant-based, started off to take pressure off the oceans because traditional sushi is super harmful to the ocean, tried to be mindful of the ecosystem. That's kind of what we do here. And we kept mom's, a uh, few mom's key recipes that have been around for almost 40 years. Wow, that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> What about all the weeds and, and stuff that you guys have started to use? What do you think of that? You were there, right? Were you foraging with us? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we go out every uh, day. My brother does a lot, most of the foraging and all wild weeds. Right now we're trying to cultivate it because weeds actually um, can withstand climate change, which is a huge issue we have, which a lot of our dishes, uh, all of our dishes have a story behind it. Even the agarashi tofu, which is a traditional dish because it was from when my mom first started the restaurant. But, um, for instance, uh, we have a dish called Kiribati, which is an island in the South Pacific being affected by rising sea levels and invasive species. And when you eat it, it's a metaphor for that. And we want you to feel global climate change. And same with serving weeds and invasive species. Everything has a story and everything has a meaning to it. And I noticed you guys have a lot of great humor. So, does that help <laughs> Actually, that's my brother's side. Yeah. How do you deal with all his, his crazy still, He still tricks me every day. I don't know. I'm so gullible. I fall for all of his antics still, and I, uh, I don't even know how that happens since um, he kind of acts like my younger brother. But he is older. He will say something else, but he's definitely older than me. Acts younger, looks younger, still older. Just wanted to put that in. But humor keeps us um, healthy, I think. My mom laughs a lot. And, during the times when we want to cry, we laugh, and I think that's the only thing that keeps us all going, right? Awesome. Trying to spread the cheer. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Hola. <laughs> um, what can I say? What do you like about making sushi at Mia's? Uh, I think it's special and uh, healthy. He helps uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, like uh, be uh, good, you know. Like salam and uh, uh, sashimi. Do you get to put your ideas, sus ideas, adentro de la comida a veces? Uh, no, pero me gusta que tengan buen sabor y yeah, tres mariachis. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, que tengan buen sabor para. Si me gusta a mí, le, le va a gustar a la gente. Muchas gracias. I asked if he got to put his ideas into the food sometimes. He said yes in the tres mariachis role. Also, he likes a good flavor, and he thinks if he likes a roll, then the people will like it. I always think it's important to go talk to the cooks who are making the food. Plus, you get to hang out in the kitchen. So can I talk to you for one minute? Yeah, 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 sure. Tell me your name again. My name is Alan. And how long have you been working at uh, I'm working, I uh, have been here for four months, yeah. Did you cook before working at Mia's? Uh, no, before I was... Uh, Bossing and next uh, as a dishwashing, and now I'm making sushi. Yeah. Yes. 
What do you like about making sushi? Uh, so we have too much uh, kind of sushi, but I like so much when I make uh, wabi-sabi. It's my favorite. I don't know how I can explain you, but I like so much wabi-sabi. The taste of it or the, the feeling of, of making it? Uh, so firstly, the tasting and the feeling. Yeah, both. Have you tasted many of the sushi rolls? Yes, of course. Like uh, creco berry, like uh, ginger eggplant, like uh, hot curry. So we have uh, many kinds of sushi. Yeah. Yes. All right, I'm out of your kitchen. Thanks for listening to The Table Underground. That last voice you heard was Alan, a new cook at Mia's hired through IRIS, a refugee resettlement organization. I hope you enjoyed traveling with me on this inspired journey from farm to city and into the kitchen. Post questions or comments on our website, thetableunderground.com, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to support our show, please review us on iTunes and share with your friends. Thanks for listening to The Table Underground.